0: Hello. Welcome to the Myths of the Norse. Chapter 4. Heimdall the Watcher Heimdall the Watcher's job had been made more difficult. The wall around Asgard had been destroyed during the war between the Aesir and the Vanir. Many times the Aesir had discussed building a new one, but either they hadn't been bothered or they hadn't found anyone with the requisite skills. Meanwhile, Heimdall had to be even more watchful than before. One day, as the Watcher watched he saw a figure approach on horseback. The figure told Heimdall that he had a plan to put to the Aesir. Heimdall told him that he could tell him and he would pass it on, but the newcomer demanded to see all of the other gods. The watcher led him to Gladsheim and an audience with the gods. This is what the person said. You have lost your wall. I can rebuild it for you. It will be stronger and higher than before. In fact, it will be so strong that it will be impregnable. Hmm. And what is your price asked Odin? Simple. I want Freya as my wife, and I want the sun and the moon. Of course, this was impossible, and Odin dismissed it out of hand. Freya breathed a sigh of relief, but then up spoke one of their number. He suggested they c- should consider the offer. This was, of course, Loki. He leant over to Odin and Heimdall and gave his suggestion. What if we give him six months to build the wall? But well, that's impossible, replied Heimdall. Exactly, agreed Loki. So we give him the job and we accept his bargain. There is no way he can succeed. He'll have to drag rocks from the hillside. Just this effort would take more than six months. And so we'll have half a wall built and we'll have to pay precisely nothing. A little nervously, Odin considered the plan. There seemed no way it could fail, so he put it to the rest of the Aesir. Despite Freya's understandable resistance, the plan was agreed. Odin told the builder that he had six months to build the wall exactly as he had described. He was not allowed to have any help from any man, giant or god. If he succeeded in building the wall to the agreed specifications, then he would receive Freya, the sun and the moon. The builder agreed, asking only that he could make use of his stallion, Svaldifari. The bargain was struck. The construction would start on the first day of winter and must be completed by the first day of summer. Work started on time. The builder used his time well. During the day, he heaped stone upon stone, expertly fitting the blocks together to form an immensely strong wall. During the night, his horse, Svaldifari, hauled boulders from a mighty hill, from which perfect building rocks protruded on all sides. The Iseer was somewhat troubled. Svaldifari's surprising mighty strength, and the fact he seemed to be able to collect the rocks himself while his master slept, appeared to be making a seemingly impossible task possible. Three days before the beginning of the summer, things came to a head. The wall was almost finished. It was abundantly clear it would be complete within the next three days and the builder would fulfil his side of the bargain. Freya, poor Freya, was constantly crying and the other gods turned on Loki. This is your fault. Find a way out of this bargain. Find a way to make this miracle builder lose. If you don't, then we will kill you. Either the wall man loses his bargain or you lose your life. Loki protested, rather reasonably, that they'd all agreed on the approach, but Odin would not be dissuaded. Loki was in a sticky situation. How was he to save himself this time? Well, the trickster decided that a stallion would be as susceptible to a pretty face as a man or a god. He came up with a plan he decided could not fail. That night, the builder set his horse off to collect more rocks. He had a spring in his step. The work was almost finished, and he looked forward to having the lovely Freya as his wife, and to possessing the sun and the moon. With those two things under his control, he could decide when the worlds would be flooded with light and when they would be shrouded in darkness. When Svaldifari was nearing the quarry, though, his head was turned. A young mare danced across the road in front of him. The mare then turned and galloped towards the copse. Svaldifari was unable to resist. He charged after the mare, and they both disappeared into the forest. The horses ran all evening and all night, chased by a savagely cursing builder. It was dawn before he had his prize stallion under control. A whole night had been lost, and the builder realised he wouldn't quite be able to finish the wall. He lost his temper in a big way. In fact, he was so filled with rage that he was completely unable to stay in disguise. Because the builder was not a man, he was a mountain giant. The giant ranted savagely, cursing the ear, hurling insult after insult and declaring that he would have his revenge. When the Iseer realised that the Builder was really a mountain giant and an enemy of theirs, they felt no guilt at all for tricking him into failing. After all, the giant's disguise was a trick. He had tricked them, and they had tricked him. A trick for a trick, all was fair. They couldn't have a giant raging in Asgard, though, and they called for Thor to return and deal with the beast. Thor paid the giant his wages for the wall. The giant didn't receive the sun and the moon and Freya for his efforts, His payment consisted of having his skull shattered by a single blow from Mjolnir. So, the Aesir got their wall, and the giant got eternity in Niflheim. It's not hard to see who did best from the wager. Loki wasn't seen in Asgard for a few months. When he came back, he had in tow a colt. The colt had eight legs, and Loki claimed he'd given birth to it himself. He told the Aesir it was the fastest horse in all of the nine worlds, Loki presented the horse to Odin, telling him that its name was Sleipnir. Odin thanked the trickster and welcomed him back into Asgard. Heimdall had watched Loki and Sleipnir enter. The wall was built, maybe now he could spend a little less time watching. Maybe he could go on a journey. He listened, he heard the grass grow, and he knew that all was well. Then he departed over the Bifrost Bridge and entered Mithgard. The green roads of Mithgard were quiet. If anyone had been around to see, though, they would have witnessed a strong and powerful man striding towards a village. The man seemed so strong and powerful that he could have been a god. After a short time, the man arrived at a farm cottage. The door was ajar, and he strode in without any invitation. In the cottage were a man and a woman. They were called Great Grandfather and Great Grandmother. I and Edda. Who are you? the couple asked. ''My name is Rig the Walker,'' answered the man who looked like a god. ''You are welcome here,'' said I. Edda fetched a large loaf of bread and dipped a ladle in a pot of soup. She served this to her husband and their guest. Then there was a fine plate of boiled calf meat. Rig the Walker talked at length to the couple, giving them fine advice, and sat between them on a bench in their kitchen. For many hours they talked until it was time to go to bed.'' The visitor had a way with words, and the couple offered him a space in their bed. He slept in the middle, in between his hosts. For three days and three nights, Rig stayed with I and Edda. Then he thanked them for their hospitality, and rode off into the distance. Nine months later, Edda gave birth to a son. He was dark as flax, and they named him Thrall. The baby thrived over the years, but grew to be a funny-looking thing. He had an ugly face, and his back was crooked. His heels were a little too long and his skin was wrinkled. His fingers were thick and his knuckles crooked. He was a strong man, though, and he carried brushwood home every day for others to weave into baskets. When Thrall was a young man, a bandy-legged girl came to the farm. She was called Slave Girl, or Thea. She had a bent nose, sunburned arms and mud on her soles. The two liked the look of each other and sat down by the fire to chat. It was clear to both they had met their soulmate, and they stayed together for many years. During those years they had many children. Their sons were called Stout and Sticky and Rough and Greyish. They were named Sluggard and Bad Breath and Stumpy and Fatty, and also Lout and legs. They worked the fields and looked after the goats. They tended the pigs and dug the turf. Thrall and Thea's daughters were called Podgy and Stumpina, Bulgy calves and Bellows Nose. They were noisy and bondswoman and raggedy hips, crane legs and gabbler. From all of these children of thrall and fear were descended the race of thralls, the race of slaves. Rig the walker had walked away from the farm cottage in search of somewhere else to stay. That evening he came upon a hall. Again the door was ajar and he entered without invitation. In the hall a woman was preparing thread for weaving and a man was whittling wood for a weaver's beam. They were called Grandmother and Grandfather, Amma and Afi. A warm fire lit the hall and made it comfortable. "'Who are you?' the couple asked. "'My name is Rig the Walker,' replied the man who looked like a god. "'You are welcome here,' said Afi. Amma fetched a large loaf of rye bread and some rich butter. She served this to her husband and their guest. Then there was a fine plate of boiled veal. Rig the Walker talked at length to the couple, giving them fine advice, and sat between them in their kitchen. For many hours they talked until it was time to go to bed. The visitor had a way with words, and the couple offered him a space in their bed. He slept in the middle, in between his hosts. For three days and three nights, Rig stayed with Afi and Amma. Then he thanked them for their hospitality, and rode off into the distance. Nine months later, Amma gave birth to a son. His cheeks were ruddy, and his eyes were lively and bright. He was named Farmer, or Carl. The baby thrived and grew into a fine young man. He tamed the oxen and he worked the harrow. He learned how to build and he constructed houses and barns. He made carts and he drove the plough. Afy and Amma found the perfect wife for Karl. Her name was Snur, or daughter-in-law. She wore a bridal veil and a goatskin coat and keys jangled from her waist. She was married to Karl and they made a fine home together. Over the following years, Carl and Snur had many sons. They were called Man and Soldier and Thane and Smith. Others were called Lad and Broad and Yeoman and Boundbeard. Then there was Dweller, Smoothbeard and Fellow. They also had daughters. Some of them were called Bride and Wife and Lady and Dame. Others were known as Speaker and Shy and Wise and Sensible. From all of these children were descended the race of peasants and farmers rig the walker had walked away from the hall in search of somewhere else to stay that evening he came upon a great hall its broad entrance facing southward again the door was ajar and he entered without invitation pulling on a great wooden ring in the hall a woman and a man were sat gazing into each other's eyes they were called father and mother father then turned away and began twisting a bowstring mother rose and smoothed her fine sleeves she wore a headdress dead straight "'and a pendant on her blue-stitched brows. "'Her neck was whiter than fresh snow. "'They noticed the stranger. "'Who are you?' the couple asked. "'My name is Rig the Walker,' replied the man who looked like a god. "'You are welcome here,' said father. "'Mother fetched a beautiful embroidered tablecloth made of white linen "'and stretched it over the table. "'On it she placed a fine loaf of white flour. "'She served this to her husband and their guest.' Then she laid out fine silver dishes. Soon these were filled with light and dark pork meat and roast birds. Ornamental goblets were filled with wine. Rig the walker talked at length to the couple, giving them fine advice, and sat between them in their kitchen. For hours they talked, until it was time to go to bed. The visitor had a way with words, and the couple offered him a space in their bed. He slept in the middle, in between his host's. For three days and three nights, Rig the walker stayed with father and mother. Then he thanked them for their hospitality and rode off into the distance. Nine months later, mother gave birth to a son. He was given the name Lord or Jarl. He grew up there in that grand hall. He learned how to brandish spears and fit bowstrings. He mastered javelin throwing and swordsmanship. He became a skilled horseman and an expert hunter. He learned to swim and run swiftly. One day, when Jarl was a young man, he was busy at the hall when a stranger approached him. The stranger was a strong and powerful man who looked like a god. ''I have brought you a gift,'' announced the stranger. ''These are the runes.'' All day the stranger told Jarl the secrets of the runes. Then he made one more announcement that shocked and pleased the young man. ''I am Rig the Walker, but I am also Rig the King. You are my son.'' You must take over the eighteen settlements around these parts and rule them as a king. Then you will also be called Rig the King. This Jarl did. He waged war and gained the allegiance of the men of the settlements. He ruled them well and garnered great wealth. He was generous to his people and the settlements thrived. The wealth of the land was offered to everyone. Jarl became a respected and loved ruler. Soon messengers arrived with a beautiful girl called Erna. She was of high birth and the messengers told Jarl she would make a perfect wife. She was fair-haired and long-fingered, slender and accomplished at all she did. So Jarl and Erna were married. Over the time they had many sons. Some were called child and baby and heir and offspring. Others were named noble and descendant and kinsman and lineage. The youngest was called kin. All of the sons grew up and became as proficient as their father in the ways of battle and hunting and riding and swimming. But Kin the Young was singled out. His father recognised greatness in him and taught him the runes. Soon he understood the speech of birds and how to quiet the ocean. He had the strength of eight men and could manage and pacify others. Soon his father gave him the name Rig the King. And this king, Rig the King, Kin the Young, went on to conquer and capture territories and he had many descendants, and so soon other kings and lords followed, and there were noblemen and kings enough to rule the world of Mithgard. And Rig the walker, Haimdall the watcher, looked down from Asgard. He saw how the men and women of Mithgard, his men and women, thrived, and he was pleased. Then he sat down at his watchpoint and listened to the grass grow. Next time we will hear some gruesome tales of murder and theft. So, make sure you tune in for that. If you'd like to leave any feedback or just ask questions, then friend me on Facebook, Paul Vincent Myth and History, or contact me on email, mythandhistory at gmail.com. So, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.